Welcome to the Wisdom and Wealth Podcast, a series of conversations designed to equip you, our listener, with the helpful insights necessary to simplify the critical decision points of life. I'm Josh Clues, a wealth advisor with Carson Wealth here in the Woodlands, Texas. I believe my calling in this life is to enable others to fulfill their own calling by helping them harness their financial wealth to their purpose in life. Please join me each week for market thoughts, planning ideas, and most importantly, intangible balance sheet discussions, which highlight the importance of all those things money can't buy and death can't take away. Investment advisory services offered through CWM, LLC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Hello and welcome in again to the Wisdom and Wealth Podcast. I'm Josh Clues, the Senior Wealth Planner for Carson Wealth here in the Woodlands, Texas. Today is another of our intangible balance sheet episodes. Um, and it is my pleasure to introduce Thomas Damsgaard to our podcast um, and hear a little bit more about his intangible balance sheet. Thomas, welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Josh. I'm really looking forward to this uh, conversation with you. Likewise. Before we dive in, Thomas, would you mind introducing us just briefly uh, to who you are uh, before we, we dive into uh, your intangible balance sheet? Absolutely. Uh, as I'm sure the accent gives it away, I'm not from around this neck of the woods. I was actually born and raised in Denmark, uh, famous for Legos and Hans Christian Andersen, the little mermaid. Um, I came to the States as at 16 years old as an exchange student up in Washington State for a year, fell in love with the U.S., knew that I wanted to come back here, um, and I moved uh, to Texas in uh, 1992 permanently, um, where I've been um, since. So, um, yeah, I consider myself a, a Texan these days. Now, every once in a while, your accent sounds a little bit Australian. So it, it, does anyone ever, uh, you know, wonder, you know, and, and totally get, get your accent off, you know, geographically? Constantly. I have okay. gotten all kinds of suggestions. Uh, I have a little sister that lives in England and she uh, speaks with this uh, very uh, British uh, high English where everything is gorgeous. And it's <laughs> funny when you put her and I together in the room, I have my flat A's and she has this very, very high British English. So yeah, it's, <laughs> accents are a funny thing, but um, yeah, it, it, I usually say it makes people pay a little bit more attention when I'm out doing uh, presentations and stuff. So yeah. I, I I bet you it, it probably does. There there is something to that as far as like the way the the um, pronunciations hit the ear and you know, make people lean in a bit. Yeah. Thank you again, Thomas, for joining us. And um, for those listeners that are joining us and and you're not familiar with the podcast, uh, we call it the Intangible Balance Sheet because we want to focus on um, the things of life that make it worth living, and typically those intangible principles, first principles, and value systems um, are best passed on through stories. That That's the, the thing I found uh, through my life that has cemented them to uh, my psyche and even to my lifestyle um, because of the, the family stories in some cases that are even passed on to us. So uh, our guests, uh, the, the, you know, the, the whole idea behind this is for you to get an idea of um, where they come from and, and what those first principles are and, and the unique ways in which those first principles are lived out. Um, and so with that in mind, Thomas, would you mind sharing just a little bit more even about your grandparents or parents? Are there any stories that um, you attribute back to 
you know, the, the first and second generations removed from where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I was raised in, in Denmark, born and raised in Denmark by a single mom. My mom and dad got divorced uh, when I was seven years old. This is back in the early 70s, uh, where it was not very common. In my school, I was actually the one with the, f- the first parents that were divorced, you know, so that had a big influence, of course, on my upbringing. Uh, meant also I did not have a male figure growing up, but this is where my grandparents actually came in, especially my granddad ended up being that male figure in my upbringing. Uh, my grandparents, they had, uh, they were pig farmers in the northwestern part of Denmark. They had a pig farm of about, I think, 1,100 heads of pig up there, pigs. And um, they are the um, the war generation. Again, they were born right before the First World War, and they lived through the Second World War. So actually a, a generation of very resourceful people, but also meant that everything was cooked at home. Uh, they had a home butcher showing up twice a year. Uh, you know, to slaughter the pigs in the uh, on the farm as well. To very few things were born. So, again, I, I learned that aspect uh, of being resourceful in just every single thing uh, that you do. Um, my grandmother also was the influence on me on on my love for good food and good wine. And to this day, I'm still sending her thoughts back. And and whenever I'm baking in the kitchen, you know, or or we are having guests over to the house as well too. So, um, yeah. And my granddad, you know, being farmers, it's 365 days a year. It's early rises and late to bed every night. So, so um, really taught me a, a work work ethic, uh, rain or shine, uh, and that has carried me through uh, many episodes in my life later on. And many times I'm thinking back uh, to how they would have responded in in some difficult situations when I've been going through it. Mm. I, it's funny you, you bring up, so I, I grew up on a farm and ranch as well. Um, and when people talk about work-life balance, I, I tend to be a little bit obtuse because it's like, Hey, it wasn't so much of work-life balance. That wasn't an option. It was priority balance. <laughs> if, if, and, and sometimes you didn't get to choose your priorities, right? Like you, you just, Hey, this, this is what needs to be done. And so that 100% resonates with me. Um, now you talked about the food. I don't want to. I don't want to pass on. It sounds like you have a thought. Yeah, I do. On on this whole thing about work life balance, and and you're hitting a really sore spot for me because I actually yeah. believe in life harmony. Yeah. And whenever we, and I've seen it uh, when people they try to get work life balance, there seems to be when something goes up, something else has to go down. And I don't believe that's necessarily the case. And I think oftentimes we are forgetting the whole dimension of time as well too in that equation where you're trying to split time equally well you can't always split things so mm-hmm. it's i think it's really about harmony in life you know um instead of this thing with, with where you have this balance thing where things got to struggle against each other i don't think that's the case and it mm-hmm. is a, one of my life principles actually in many ways yeah i i think we we're largely aligned there it's it's a yeah. The the seeking of balance is probably you're looking for something in the wrong. So something's out of balance. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't be there. Something's out of harmony that's leading yeah. to the imbalance. Yeah. Now, before where I was before I, I uh, forget, um, talk to me about the food. What what what? How is it different? How is it unique? Um, th- that's the one piece of travel that I um, feel a little bit spoiled when it comes to that aspect here in Houston because a lot of that 
cultural exposure comes to us rather than us having to go to it sometimes. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about your, the food of, of your native so, land. Yeah. So, so going back to, you know, my grandparents is, is from the war. Um, so they've always been very resourceful. So everything was grown on the farm. Uh, growing up, I remember my mom being a single mom. We did not have a lot. Uh, so it's about foraging as well, too, in the fall, being out picking rose hips for jam or blackberries, you know, on the side of the road kind of thing, you know. And it's interesting later on in life, I have still enjoyed doing those things. And I will be on runs with my wife. Uh, she's from Texas, but we'll be out running um, in Denmark on the country roads. And I cannot run by a blackberry bush or any kind of berries. It's kind of like I'm seeking it out. And she's laughing at me and say, you know, when we out running together, I don't need to bring any kind of uh, goo or <laughs> any kind of nutrition because you're just going to forge off the, the side of the road. So uh, it's, it's, um, it's a big passion of mine. And um, I did not have store-bought jam until I moved out of my mom's house uh, in my late teens, uh, if that says anything. And still uh, this day today, it's, uh, it's a big passion of mine. I travel for restaurants and Copenhagen just happens, which is the capital of Denmark, just happens to become become one of the food capitals of the world now, uh, with the new Nordic cuisine and the best restaurants in the world. So, uh, and um, and we do frequent them and uh, have many really good chef friends that are running some of these big restaurants. So, yeah, Mm. I love it. That is uh, a treat to be sure. Mm. Now, as you talk to me about um, your decision to. be a part of the exchange exchange program. What were you seeking, and and did you find it? How were you rewarded in in that process? What what was all behind that? Hello, everyone. I wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the podcast, and also ask for a favor. If you could please subscribe to and rate the podcast via your favorite podcast app, as this is going to help us serve more listeners. Also. If you have a specific question or a guest suggestion for the podcast, please reach out at jkloz at carsonwealth.com. Now let's get back to the podcast. Thanks again. Yeah, it's it, it probably goes a little bit deeper than just uh, coming to the States. Um, my parents, while they were still married, they started me in school one year early. So I've always been the youngest in class. Uh, which means also the smallest, most scrawny kid. Uh, and for a closet introvert as I am, um, that's a hard situation to be in. But I think through my parents' divorce, where I was, I'm the oldest of three siblings, um, I saw the most uh, of that very, very harsh um, divorce. It actually also taught me that, you know, putting myself in difficult situations that's kind of and this is where you're growing growing outside of the comfort zone um actually provided me opportunities so up through my school years uh, after seventh grade i wanted to go to england on a language school and my mom um, again not very resourceful supported me in that and that's kind of what got me going on you know the curiosity of traveling outside denmark oftentimes i have wondered whether it was an escape for me because mm-hmm. I have some really bad memories from my upbringing and and with my parents and so forth, you know, that this was kind of just getting away from that. Um, but again, it has been very rewarding to me. And then that year I spent in Washington State out on the Olympic Peninsula with an amazing family, 
um, being out in nature. It's, a, it's one of the most beautiful places in North America, I think, the Northwest. Um, really gave me a lot. 16 years old, you cry yourself to sleep a lot of times, uh, homesick, um, you know, but, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger also. And it definitely, you know, I found myself uh, a lot more through that process. And um, I would not be here today had it not been for that year I spent um, going to high school in Washington State. In Forks of all places, which later on um, became famous for these uh, Twilight teenage movies. That was my high school. <laughs> Actually, 34 uh, students in my graduating senior class. So it gives you an idea of how small it was. But yeah, yep. it's, yeah. You knew everything about everybody and maybe even a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I have never seen an episode of it, but uh, that's what <laughs> the high school is famous for today. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Now, talk to me about um, the beliefs and principles that are most important to you and that as you reflect back on your your life have, have guided you the most. Um, I, I think I've been given opportunities through my life that on the paper I should not have had. And um, when, I, when I reflect back at these opportunities, and this is, um, you know, if I'm thinking about my professional career and what I've done, it oftentimes has, has been more about, less about what I have done, but more about uh, how I have done it. You know, I mm -hmm. got, you know, um, got involved with some organizations and learned to give back in a very early age, uh, some charitable organizations. And that is a, a guiding principle for me through my life um, is this aspect of giving back, um, being unselfish and humble, Uh, at times as well too and, and then having the belief that if you're not necessarily seeking out the financial wealth but you're seeking out the things that are really important then you will be rewarded financially also and um, I have through my professional career three times I've taken sabbaticals when I had a hard time connecting um, with the organizations I was tied into or because there's other things in life that became very important Like after 9-11, to give that as an example, you know, where um, all of a sudden, I think we all stopped up and were reflecting on life and say, you know, what what is the purpose here? And I was on a career path and um, I had missed birthdays, funerals, uh, baptisms with family back in Denmark and was really disconnected to where my roots were, um, to my grandparents again. And I finally stopped up and said, listen, um, I need to take some time here to reconnect Um, and being on a career track where an organization believes in you, invests in you, it's really hard to do. And I was asking, I asked for getting some time off to go and reconnect. And they said, nope, uh, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna support you on that. And I took the consequences of and said, okay, fine. Other things that are more important in life than um, making the next dollar. So I, um, I took a leave went and spent time with my grandmother and uh, with my family back in Europe. And then I connected up with the Habitat for Humanity. And that has been a very big uh, part of my life since then, both here in the States, but also on the Global Village Program. And, and this is something that I use on a similar regular basis, at least before the pandemic. It's been a little bit harder afterwards. But when I feel I'm getting too caught up in um, the world, the materialistic world, I'll make sure that I put in a, a habitat build and then I'll go to Cambodia and I'll build houses in the slum of Cambodia where you're seeing four-year-olds um, 
picking through trash on the on the dump mm-hmm. site. So mm-hmm. they have issues with child prostitution and stuff like that. Really, like really hardship and going out there and making a difference. And it's kind of bringing me back to um, to planet Earth, so to speak. So yeah. Um, Do you find um, that in the in the volunteering of your time in that way that there's something often I, I find when I talk to people that there's something in the back of our brains that our brains are working on different problems, even at work or just, just maybe even incongruencies with, throughout our life. We're working out those problems, even though our, we're physically doing something else, you know, our subconscious is working out and working through different challenges that we have to, to face. Have you experienced that as well as you volunteer your time? Yeah, absolutely. I I think there's something very liberating on being out and aligning with other people that are driven by passion and are driven by maybe more the heart. Again, when we're in business, oftentimes it's the hit that we're using. Uh, but this this aspect of, of, of leading with the heart is sometimes being put, especially in this um, very performance-driven society we're living in in North America. Um, and I feel that volunteerism, and I, I serve on several uh, volunteer boards, and, and you know I give back wherever I can. Um, I, I feel that that pulls more on my heartstrings, and that makes sure that I yeah stay connected as well to and humble as mm-hmm. well. Um, life, and <laughs> I think it comes back to this where we talk about this work-life balance as well, because I think this is really about creating harmony in life, and the, life is part energy, and you create. The energy, the energy you give out is what you're going to receive back as well. So I think it was, was it Martin Luther King that said, you know, uh, be the change you want to see. And, um, you know, we can't sit and complain about the lives we're living in unless we go and do something about it. And uh, ability commits. And when you're able to do something, um, then you're you're also committed to use those resources to make this a, a better place and, and, and help people that sometimes can't see it themselves, that can't help themselves. And it's, it's interesting you, you mentioned that I, I've noted Americans give lots of money to things that they're passionate about, um, philanthropically or charitably, but I, and I haven't seen very many studies, but I think that there's a disconnect personally that when I look at it of the, we somehow divorced the giving of time from the giving of money as well. When, when the two go together, there's something magical that happens that I've witnessed personally and in, in the lives of others. So it's, it's unique to me that you're, you're hitting on that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think to that aspect, let me just give you one, because looking at it as a European as well too, mm-hmm. I actually give Americans uh, credit for, for really making a difference in society. And I think uh, both church and, and, and other institutions out there are doing a lot for society here. Growing up in Europe, you don't have that culture over there. Mm-hmm. There you have government looking out for many of these things, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no, there's not the same level. You have plenty of grassroots initiatives, but you don't have the same, um, the same kind of communal caring as we are seeing here. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's something that is uniquely North American, actually, mm-hmm. or, or U.S. at least. Yeah. It sometimes I wonder if that's because we are a a uh, at root we are a um, society of immigrants, and so when you mm-hmm. don't have the family, the nuclear family to fall back on, your neighbor was all you had. So the the social yeah. fabric was 
you know, paramount. Um, but I, for, for another topic probably, but that's what strikes me is, is maybe some of that, but it's interesting to see you point out that distinction. Um, when you took your, your, um, your sabbatical that you mentioned going back to Europe, what were some of the, or were there any stories bound up in that time off that brought life into perspective for you? Yeah, again, first and foremost, it was going back and really connecting with family because I felt I had, um, you know, I had abandoned them for for a while there, as I said. And then it was spending some time with my grandmother, who by that time has lost, she had lost my granddad. So she was living by herself and um, was very lonely. So the fact of being able to sit down and talk to her about um, her upbringing and her history and where we came from, and um, again, going and spending time with her. I had nights where I was laying and falling asleep, holding her hand. I was laying on my granddad's side of the bed and just uh, that that kind of um, connection that I had with her, you know, so she was not feeling lonely and, and giving somewhat back to her as well too was incredibly important for me. Um, like I said, I got involved also with Habitat during that period and, and I worked with um, the first Habitat built in North America that was actually built by inmates was in Dallas and uh, I was part of the supervisory team with that and, and connecting with that other part of society um, as well too gave me some, some interesting perspectives as well too. Um, so yeah, it's I think when you take time off like that. And I have done it more. I've done it three times during my professional career, uh, created these spaces where I've gone out and done other things. Um, creating that kind of perspective, I think it makes me a better human being. Become, I become a better leader when I then are stepping back into organizations again, um, which in my professional life, oftentimes I've stepped in and done turnarounds and, and, and fixed uh, hurt organizations um, as well too. And it's a renewal of energy. And uh, it's this aspect of, again, harmony in life and, and creating energy within yourself, you know, so you can go and, and, and pour out more of it. Um, yeah. The It's interesting to hear you you talk about the the harmony. In most cases, I think we're, we, we see life as a zero-sum game when it comes to time. Um, mm. Because, you know, there is a trade-off, but there's there's a reward that, you know, we maybe can't see when it comes to the volunteering piece. And the, the reason I like the way you framed volunteering so well is because it goes back to a theme that I've traced through um, David Brooks, the New York Times columnist. And he said, you know, there's that magical point in life where um, we realize that we were building a resume, but what we should have been building was a eulogy. <laughs> because one actually has meaning, you know, over and above and beyond uh, what we what we do here and now. And so I'm hearing those themes coming out um, from your story quite a bit. Yeah. Again, Stephen Coey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, his first yeah. chapter, what, you know, you sit down, you write the letter, they're going to um, read the day you're buried, right? So um, what do you want to be remembered by? Mm. Right. On, so, that, that dovetails into our next, our next uh, question, which is in line with that, what are some of those themes that you hope uh, are in that that letter that you're remembered by that ethical will or or that eulogy? Um, it is really about um, creating a kind of place, being kind to people, and supporting and helping people and lift them up. And that's you know, uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's in the slum of Cambodia or. Uh, 
it's in a boardroom for a, for a startup, you know, that are struggling is really coming in there and, and helping people, you know, to be the best they can be. Um, that's what I would like to be remembered by. Um, this level of self, um, um, selflessness, um, you know, we come with nothing and we are leaving here with nothing. And, um, it's, it's really important for me that I leave all the energy that I absolutely can, um, in my wake and that people are becoming better because of it. I run the world's uh, largest maritime organization in the Americas now. We just opened it up last year. It's been a seven-year project where we've been trying to get this organization to open America and Americas. And uh, that's another aspect of it where I've taken my professional career and, and that is now pivoting as well too, um, to help an industry as a membership, non-for-profit organization, you know, to really uh, make this this leap that we are going through right now on, on global decarbonization and, and making the planet a better place uh, for our next generations. Mm. Thomas, thank you so much for your time today. Are there any other parting parting thoughts that we didn't get to or anything else that you'd, you'd like to cover before we sign off for today? No, I think, um, again, it takes courage. Life takes courage. And I think, um, you know, to, to, to live a fulfilling life, you know, you got to be courageous. But um, I think there's more loss from not trying than there is from trying. And oftentimes you regret the things you didn't do. Really, do you regret the things you do do? So um, it's something that I keep reminding myself. Um, so, yeah, I would like to close with that. Thank you again, Thomas, for sharing um, of your time and your experience and your wisdom. Um, really appreciate it and look forward to, to talking with you in the future. And as always, like I, I always sign off, we, we truly do wish you and your family truth, beauty, and goodness on the road ahead. And um, thank you again. Thank you so much, Josh. Appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you again for joining us. We trust that this time has left you better equipped to steward both your wealth and your financial resources. May you and your family find truth, beauty, and goodness on the road ahead. The opinions voiced in the Wisdom and Wealth podcast by Josh Clues are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principle. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, please consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. The guests on the Wisdom and Wealth podcast are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services are offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Please know that converting from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA is a taxable event. A Roth IRA offers tax-free withdrawals on taxable contributions. To qualify for a tax-free and penalty-free withdrawal on earnings, a Roth IRA must be in place for at least five tax years. The distribution must take place after age 59 and a half or due to death, disability, or a first-time home purchase of up to $10,000 lifetime maximum. Depending on state law, Roth IRA distributions may be subject to state taxes. 
Our local address is 1780 Hughes Landing, Suite 570 in Woodlands, Texas, 77388.